Good day and good evening, everyone, and welcome to the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 54. I am Kelly Gaines, and joining me are my fabulous co-hosts, Brad. Brad, say hello. Hello, everyone. And also joining us are Seth. Hello, hello. And Steve. Good evening. (laughs) So we have some pretty exciting news about all things DC, comics, movies, and streaming tonight. Um, So we're just going to jump right in with a, I would say, pretty, pretty spectacular new trailer for the the Birds of Prey movie. Um, Seth, what did you think? I thought it was great. I was really impressed with the fact that we finally got to see a more complete narrative through a trailer and introducing what each character has at stake and why they're at risk. And also a a snapshot provided for each one, a, a quick three, five second video snapshot demonstrating what it was exactly they were doing. And those were all great moments on top of seeing the black mask wearing <clears throat> a black mask because up until this point that had been one of those things missing where if you didn't know who he was you needed to know in some way what kind of bad guy he was going to be and we finally had the chance to see the mask one in that sort of group shot and then later where we get to see it covering the magnificent visage of our villain I thought this was a great introduction and I loved so many of the wonderful elements it introduced right off the bat whether it was about how Harley got rid of Joker, clearly it ended on very, you know, uh, polite and mutual terms, and all the other developments that came with it. I I thought this really set up the movie so well, and I think it's the trailer that if you want someone to see this movie, this is the one you should be showing. Brad, how about you, my friend? I, yeah, I think that... (laughs) One thing that stood out to me, of course, was actually seeing Black Mask. And I liked uh, Black Mask with his mask on. And I liked how we got a little more characterization of Huntress. And we got to see little flashes of Black Canary using her powers. And uh, the the whole aesthetic looks fun and over the top. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're just just a few weeks out at this point from... Uh, from seeing the finished film, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Steve, what do you think? Now that's what I call a trailer. So much fun, explosions, action, drop kicks, laughter. Oh, it's it's so so fun to to see all those characters get together and to learn why they're getting together. She's broken up with the Joker, and at least the relationship went out with with a bang. Um, They've all got together because they've got the ties with Roman Sionis finally wearing his black mask. And we see the canary cry. All wonderfully cool stuff. Yes, I'm very excited now. And like Brad said, only a few weeks to go. Kelly, you must have loved it, I guess. I did. I really did. I think the last time we talked about um birds of prey i kind of said i i'm excited but not that excited yet because i feel i felt like i hadn't seen too much of it but this trailer officially made me excited now it's not just the you know kind of withdrawn hopefulness now it's full-blown hopefulness so i i again just hopeful and it looks really really vivid and i i like the um 
just everything about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. She does the character so well. And from her facial expressions to her costume, just everything looks perfect. And also, Ewan McGregor makes a great villain. I don't know if I've seen him as a villain anywhere yet, but I really like him in the in the villain role, even as briefly as we saw him. So, I, you know, I have nothing but high anticipation for this movie. Anyone else? Any other follow-up thoughts? Uh, just that I like that she was blowing up Ace Chemicals. That was a throwback. <laughs> and Absolutely. I love that she... Yeah, and I like how she name dropped Bruce at the end of it, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. That the hunky so, yeah. Bruce way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord, that would be a rebound story. Yeah. Well, there's, just... there's a movie, isn't there, where she she kind of has a thing with Nightwing for all of five seconds, right? There, one of the animated movies yeah, who has hasn't? that, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. That's very true. My boyfriend watched that a couple weeks ago, and he was like, "When did this happen?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's a thing. It's yeah, it's Nightwing." <laughs> yep. The boy <laughs> Jimmy around. and Juan strike again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so moving into other Batman universe movie news, it looks like we finally have a Penguin for Matt Reeves' Batman. Um, Colin Farrell has officially been cast. Seth, what do you think of that? I'm really intrigued. I know this was a story that caught everyone's attention when it first was hinted at. And now that it's been confirmed, we can start looking to ways that he can bring new life, new light, uh, new personality to a character who has seen some recent transformations, even as recent as the television show Gotham, where it was no longer about what the character looked like as far as their height or dimensions but about the persona they were portraying. And I think because of this transition, we now have an opportunity to see someone like Colin Farrell, where prior to that, we might not have been as welcoming to the idea of it. But that's just my take. The good thing is there's so many other opinions on this great conversation. Brad, how about you, my friend? Yeah, I, 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 I'm curious, too, how they're going to play the Penguin's physicality. Because I think we've talked on this podcast not too long ago about um what Colin Farrell could bring to the character and that's one thing that we came back to is is people have it in their head that he looks a certain way and I I kind of hope that they kind of flip that on its head and uh don't don't make him too penguiny you can't see it but I'm putting my fingers in finger quotes um I hope they let Colin Farrell be Colin Farrell I think that would be um a much more interesting take on the character. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I recently rewatched the first Fantastic Beasts movie, and his poise and his mannerisms in that film struck me as very lordly, very regal. And of course, the Cobblepots are an old family, they're old money, they're a family to rival the Waynes in notoriety until. Obviously, whatever happened, that they were cast down and shunned. And I think that if Colin Farrell puts that aspect of Penguin on screen, similar to the way we saw him in Batman, the animated series, a more rounded leader, someone who runs organized crime, more of the iceberg lounge penguin than the penguin who goes around robbing things uh, with bird themed crimes, then I think it will really work. And like you said, Brad, let him 
be himself, not a caricature or a cartoon version of the character. In that case, I, I think it could really, really work. And that photograph, that blurry image of a white-haired man standing with an umbrella was actually quite striking. Quite, if, it, if that is him and not just some random guy with an umbrella, and there are quite a few of those in the UK, let me tell you, mm-hmm. then that will work very, very well indeed. I'm almost getting more of an, an Emperor Penguin vibe. Do you guys um, know that character from from Detective Comics from a couple of years back? But anyway, that that's that's my take. What did you think, Kelly? Yeah, I have nothing against Colin Farrell playing the character. I've enjoyed everything that I've seen him in so far. And I think he could bring kind of that noble side back to uh, back to the Cobblepot name in a sense. Um, I mean, there's always going to be a special place in my heart for Danny DeVito, but I like the idea of looking at characters in a different light. I mean, especially if we're talking about um, a Batman movie where we've seen so many Batman movies and we've seen so many iterations of his popular villains. If we don't change it up and see different versions, we're not, you know, it's not going to last forever. We're going to end up getting tired of just how many short, waddly people can you put on a screen with an umbrella? And I mean, probably a lot, but, you know, it wouldn't last forever. So I, I'm excited, as as excited as I am for the entire Matt Reeves Batman I would say this is still one of those movies that where I was with Birds of Prey before where it was kind of a skeptical hope this is still skeptical but excited so yeah I'm I have nothing against it I would say so and there's actually another movie that is going to be seeing some changes from what we're used to um let's hope I say this name correctly Andres Muschietti um who's going to be directing the Flash movie is giving us a different version of Flashpoint than we've seen before. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. But Seth, what did you think? Well, I knew there would be a point during today's conversation when I would have to come up with something. And I reached that point, and I still have only an amazing list of possibilities. I think the great idea of stepping away from what's already been done about Flashpoint is showing just how many ways that one change could have made such a difference throughout the world. And changes, they can seem huge and catastrophic on one level, but can also feel insidious when presented through a different lens or with a different light. So I think the idea of lending uh, a different lens to this and seeing what comes of it could really take us, well, through some really great journeys with Barry Allen, with the story of Flashpoint, and show us a new take, which I think every character deserves a a new approach, a new way of looking at their story, or a new way of looking at what the consequences of their actions might be. Because from the comics to television, we've seen more than one approach, and each one I found to be equally, if not more so, compelling based on the the different notes that it strikes and the way that informs this overall idea of what happens when you go back to do something you want and the changes are something that, well, become quite the challenge indeed. Brad, how about you? Yeah, this didn't come as a surprise to me. Uh, I think that a, a lot of times when they adapt these big kind of comic book stories they are a lot different than we may have originally 
either read them in the book or kind of thought of in our mind how they would be adapted. And a good example is the Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's very different than the book and very different than kind of versions of that story that we've seen before. Uh, I would say the same thing similar with like Days of Future Past with the X-Men. So I, I kind of did them. I did expect them to take it in a different direction. And on the flip side of that, though, I'm, I'm glad that they are still kind of using that flashpoint idea as a touch point because at the core, it's uh, it's such a great story. So I, I think that it's still good that they're using that, at least some basis of that source material. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, exactly that. At least now we definitely know that that is still the route they're taking because first it was going to be actually called Flashpoint, then it was just a Flash movie, and now obviously we're going to see a Flashpoint of sorts, but slightly different to what we were expecting. Does, does that mean that... Um, the catalyst to changing histories changed. Are they not going to be, is Flash not going to save his mother now? Are they going to be looking at different characters, different aspects rather than focusing on Flash's rogues gallery and a, a different take on Batman? Are we going to see um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as a, a Flashpoint Batman? I mean, the, you could just go anywhere with this story. It's such a fascinating topic and one of the best um, big crossover events of recent years. I mean, it led to the new 52 and to Rebirth and to Doomsday Clock and everything that goes with it and almost the entirety of Tom King's Batman run with the Flashpoint Thomas Wayne Batman coming back to the fore. So, yeah, really exciting news of the fact they are still going down the Flashpoint route. So, Listen, anything that involves Ezra Miller as a Flash, I'm I'm on board for because I think he's wonderful and needs more time in the sun. So, yeah, intrigued. Definitely looking forward to this one. What about you, Kelly? You know, it's a kind of a sidebar, but I years ago got this magnet from some counseling center on my campus that was giving them out. And it had all these facial expressions and emotions underneath and this little thing that you move to, I guess, show people looking at your refrigerator what emotion you had that day. So <laughs> right now I've gone from hopeful to skeptical to a little bit anxious with the Flash movie. Um, I know there were some differences in the actual planning of the movie and was it going to be kind of a happy-go-lucky movie like Shazam? Was it going to be darker like Ezra Miller wanted? Um, I know my friends and I in the past have talked about how there should be a Flashpoint movie and you know not just the the animated one, but how that would be a really strong plot line to go with. Um, so, yeah, it's I, at this point, it's hard to say exactly what direction they're going to go in. So I'm still a little bit hesitant that and I don't know if I necessarily still want to see the darker flash. I mean, I kind of like the idea of them going with something a little bit more lighthearted. But in any case, um, you know, we've been saying this about a lot of the actors lately uh you know with uh Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam and Jason Momoa playing um Aquaman that they're really dedicated to these roles and they're really into them so Ezra Miller seems to have that same level of dedication to Flash so I assume that whatever it is they come up with is going to be at the very least true to the character so anxious that that's my my overall take I think (laughs) Anything else, guys? Just one other thought. Um, one of the things I love about the Flash is the way he seems to represent that hope. 
um, in so many ways, this this optimism, whether it was fighting for justice for his father or always believing there was a way. And I think sometimes the only way you can recognize how bright a light like that is, is when you cast it in a really dark environment. And this could be an opportunity to show just how much hope, promise, optimism the Flash can represent in this newer path that the DCU universe is taking. So just a thought on that, because I'm intrigued by the idea that there was a darker element being suggested, and that could be a really great contrast and an opportunity for a really bright light to shine. So just an additional yeah. thought. That's, that is actually, a, a that makes me happier. I'm moving closer to the hopeful, skeptical part of the magnet now than anxious. But um, the emotion uh, magnet doesn't have one setting, right? No, no, it's it's wherever <laughs> it's you not move fixed. the weird little arrow thing. <laughs> All right. With Seth saying it and being such a big Flash fan, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant insight. So if that's the way they go, mm-hmm. again, really happy about that. Yeah, ah, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hopeful. You know, that was the the thing that I took as I was thinking about. It. I was like, yeah, you know, it it was suggested a darker idea. Okay. But that's where hope shows the brightest, right? So let's, you know, let's well, consider that. Well, I noticed that they're not talking about um, Grant Morrison co-writing the script anymore. And we all know that he's a fan of that darker side of the DC Universe. So maybe he's out and they are going to go more down a lighter, more flash respective path. So great, great news. Indeed. Yep, very, mm. very true. So unfortunately, the, the next story is one that has no hope or maybe not no hope, but less hope. Um, David Ayer has been saying that Gotham City Sirens is officially on pause. I know there was talk in the past about that movie um, possibly coming out in the future, kind of when it seemed like there was just a big cloud of loose post-Justice League ideas for what to do with the DC Universe. Uh, Seth, what did you think? Oh, come now. After my last message, the only thing I can respond with is there's always hope. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when it, when, it, when it comes to this combination, I'm going to maintain hope. This is quite the unholy trinity here. And the potential that they can unleash in the, in the way of good is amazing. I mean, sometimes you got to get a little dirty, right? Harley Quinn knows this. Poison Ivy works with plants. Dirt. Come on. And Catwoman, who's been known to have things accidentally stick to her fingertips or claws, is well aware of this. And this combination is one that I think still has a lot of hope, especially because I've really enjoyed what we've seen from Catwoman in the comics, whether it's side by side with the bat or whether in her own title. And I've really been enjoying that delicious really fun Harley Quinn series they've got on the DC Universe right now. Um, And the Poison Ivy we see there is someone who could easily translate to the screen, maybe with some fun twists. But this combination is one that, with a uh, determined goal in their minds, could really change another aspect of the landscape of Gotham or another part of the DCU. And maybe it's one we would get to explore through them. I, for one, am holding on to hope. Brad, how about you, my friend? Hope is a very powerful word and uh, one that I would also use in this situation. I think that 
um, they're kind of waiting to see um, how, you know, Birds of Prey does and what the buzz is around Suicide Squad um, to see exactly what they want to do with this. But I, I'm pretty hopeful that that it's that Birds of Prey is going to do well enough that this will somehow get greenlighted and we'll see it um, down the line at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future. Steve, what do you think? I'm kind of in two minds about this because in some respects, um, I think there might be a bit of Harley Quinn overkill going on. I mean, Birds of Prey, uh, the Suicide Squad and Gotham City Sirens. And while, yeah, the Gotham City Sirens comic was terrific and seeing those three characters together would be mind blowing on screen. We've also had just a brand new casting of Catwoman for the Matt Reeves uh, Batman movie that's coming up, but that's said in the past. And again, I know that we can handle it because we're comics readers and we've seen countless versions of this before, but I think the general cinema going audience seeing a new Catwoman in the Batman and then seeing a completely different Catwoman in this movie and just tying it all in together could just cause more confusion. So I think if they are going to make this film, let it wait, let it come in a few years time. Um, and let the dust settle after Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad first, and let's see how uh, the Batman movie performs on its own, and let's have the, the more fun and light-hearted side of the DC Universe with the second Aquaman and second Shazam movie. So, mm, while I am a little bit disappointed we're not getting this film, I can sort of see why, and I don't want fans to just get too enamoured of just one character in Harley Quinn and not give other characters who deserve their time on screen their chance as well. So I'm 50-50 with this one. What about you, Kelly? Honestly, I've gone back and forth with how I feel as you guys were talking like four times. I initially reading this, I was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. We do have Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey coming out. So, you know, yes, there's this kind of oversaturation of Harley Quinn um, and just that like quirky, not exactly heroes, not exactly villains vibe. Um, yeah, that that might get a little bit confusing for viewers. That and it could just seem like too much all at once. On the same token, I could see, you know, if Birds of Prey were to do well, them having some sort of um, like a Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens movie, which would be really, really cool. Um, I would actually really like to see Margot Robbie with a Poison Ivy character. And actually the one in the animated show right now is so funny and so deadpan. And I, I, I really enjoy her. So I'm, Hell I'm on yeah. the fence. Right? Like she's very just, I, I love that deadpan energy. I don't know if that's because that's how I strive to be in my own life, but I really enjoy it. So yeah, I'm on the fence. And actually, with there being a Catwoman in Matt Reeves' Batman, that does make it a little bit more complicated. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If if it happens, I won't hate it. If it doesn't happen, I wouldn't hate that either. That's That's kind of my final verdict there. And actually, luckily, DC seems to, or parts of DC, seem to be listening to fan feedback because Ava DuVernay, uh, who's going to be directing the new Gods movie, 
recently updated with not only are they working on the script, but that they might be taking some fan feedback for casting choices. Uh, Seth, what did you think? That was like watching a conductor sort of using Twitter like an orchestra. I mean, what a perfect moment to suddenly just key in and go, why? Since you've asked, I've actually been working on the script and love the fan casting might be taking notes. How many more people do you think were like, you like what you've seen so far? Have I got an idea for you? And are going to leap at the chance to share it in some way and continue to feed the frenzy, generate the interest and keep us all wondering who could they be looking at and agreeing with us about? Who could they be, you know, hopping on board with us? There, there comes that moment where what, whatever's going on, your voice starts to take on that, you know, pre-prebescent development squeak. And it's like, you know, oh, my God, what happened? And suddenly it just goes up really, really <laughs> high. And you have no control because it's that part of you that comes from that childhood you're never going to let go of. And you're always going to remember with, with fondness that that what if, what can, what could happen? And would it be great if? And letting the fans know that their interest, their involvement is feeding that. And their participation is going to bring about a new God's movie we're all going to enjoy. New fans, old fans, people who never thought it was possible and through it might soon believe anything is possible. I think this was just a really wonderful moment and an awareness on her part that these are the fans that you want this movie to speak to. These are the fans you want to leap up from their chairs during it and at the end of it and tell all their friends about. And if you're trying to keep their attention, you just did a wonderful job. So I was really impressed by this moment. Brad, how about you, my friend? Uh, yeah, I, I think that we've come to the point with social media that fans have access to these filmmakers in a way that they never had. And I think you know, the, the filmmakers are smart to kind of look through what the fans are saying uh, because it might give them, you know, uh, another take on a character they didn't realize. And it's just, it's good to take all that into consideration. But I think, you know, I love fans, but sometimes you have to take it with a grain of salt, though. Um, just, you know, I remember reading, like, back before Dark Knight Rises came out, all these leaked plot ideas and screenplay ideas <laughs> that fans had made up. And, oh, man, they were all so terrible. Um, but now I, I think that fans have gotten more sophisticated in uh, what they expect and um, kind of what they know is possible in film. So I, 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 think, that, uh, I think that it's a good thing. Uh, you know, as long as there's a certain filter put on it. Steve, what do you think? I'm still actually pinching myself that there's going to be a new Gods movie and it's going to be written by Ava DuVernay and Tom King. I mean, that that in itself is enough to get any fan excited. But when you hear a writer of her caliber say that she's intrigued by the fan casting and taking notes on it, then, whew, that's a lovely thing for the fans. I mean, that's going to get everyone's hopes up. That's going to get viewers excited to see this movie. And I will say that some of the fan casts I've seen for this film 
have been pretty mind-blowing and some out of left field some expected and you just know they'd work so good on you Ava DuVernay thanks for setting the hands pulses racing and uh, fingers crossed we will see some casting news coming up soon because that's a film I, I need to see and if they make it huge over the top and Kirby-esque all the more so what about you Kelly what did you think of that yeah I appreciate Ava DuVernay in probably the most sincere way that I've ever appreciated someone I've never met before. <laughs> I, um, I, a couple months back, I actually wrote something for DC Comics News about, um, you know, Big Barda and shared it on Twitter and tagged her in it. And she actually liked the tweet. It's a and great piece, Kelly. Really thank good you so piece. much. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I have to say genuinely, that's still like the, the high that I've been riding on for the past few months. Like my parents got excited that she liked that tweet. And my parents don't know what Twitter is. They just, it, like, I told them and they were like, ah! So <laughs> the fact that she is so engaging and actually seems to be out there looking at what fans are saying and trying to really grasp what the new gods means to fans is just amazing. And, I mean, personally, and I feel like someone else on this show brought it up before, but as far as fan casting goes, I keep saying Aisha Tyler, and at first it was a yeah. joke. And I think, Brad, you came up with this, but now I really want it. And, like, it's... I've seen it on Twitter a few times now. I've seen it. Yeah. I think she'd be perfect. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she's tall. She's hilarious. She seems like she could probably kick someone in the face and it wouldn't be hard. Um, Yeah, I just... Exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean... The, everything about this movie so far, this is probably one of the, the further out projects that we've talked about, and it's one of the ones we've heard the least about, but I'm the most certain that this is going to be a really good movie when it happens. Um, yeah, so I I mean, Miss DuVernay, we appreciate everything that you're doing for DC. Alrighty, so that actually wraps up our movie news and brings us right into TV and streaming. Um, starting off with some concept art from Batwoman, and this is from Andy Poon, who is the, I believe, the costume designer, um, and she just recently shared some concept art from Batman's costume. Uh, Seth, what did you think? I thought that was really cool stuff. I mean, <laughs> you have to love the fact that there's this openness now to share the art, to suggest some great new designs. Um, to provide some new insight, it, it it really is unexpected. It's really quite a, a treat. Um, so I love the hint. I love the sort of suggestions that it's uh, proposing. And if there's one last story I get to talk about before I have to step away, this is a fun one for me to add in on. But I would yeah. yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think it's a, a cool design. I I I always enjoy watching how different people interpret the costumes and what they bring to it and yeah it's it's always fun i i i dug the design for sure uh, steve what do you think um it's just lovely like you said by to see different people's takes on the characters and they can do something completely different and yet it can still be totally batman this version is very streamlined very artistic very fluid and a total departure on anything else we've seen it's got that classic black and gray 
but it's still got the armor feel to it. And there's something else, almost a bit more cat-like about the masks, which I quite liked. And just like you said, Brad, as well, I do love seeing the artistic process, seeing how things go from a design level all the way to how they finally appear on screen. So any little things like this just make me smile. I, I love to see them. And then seeing how Kate um, evolved that look into her own uh, classic red and black Batwoman look was just a, a lovely thing to see on screen as well. But having that close up, nice. Really liked it. Kelly, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I... It's still stunning to me how much different designers and different artists can do with the Batman costume, you know, because you think it's all right, a guy with bad ears, cape, cowl, kind of dark design. But the really intricate work that can go into, you know, on this one, it's the the kind of design around the neck and the way the the armor sits. It, it all looks really interesting and different every time it comes out. So I really do actually enjoy these these concept art pieces when they come out. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. I like that we get to see it. It definitely gives a little bit of extra dimension to the show. And you can say, all right, this is, you know, this is the work that went into just designing that one bat suit. So yeah, I, I definitely like it. Alrighty, so Seth... I believe um, you had to head out at this point in the show, but did you have anything else that you wanted to touch base with us on before you go? Really, overall, just loved the uh, the fact that we were talking about the design and scope and how there was so much that, that was really just subtle changes to the approach in the costume that, for me, was a lot of fun to see whether or not they stay for the final cut but I just liked uh, the different way that the cape was coming over the, the shoulder, the way it changed the uh, effect of the emblem, and also the shape of the, the cowl, the eyes, the ears. There was this just this different slant, different angular feeling to it that suggests, even if this isn't the final take, we're looking forward to a, uh, a really fun Batman costume on a, a really different take on Batman. So... If I could leave on a, a final note about that. It's been a pleasure hanging out, guys. All right. Very nice. It has been have yeah, a great it's... evening, Seth. Thanks, guys. Have a, have a good one. <laughs> yeah, right, thanks for being with soon. us. Yeah. My pleasure. Can't wait to hear the rest. And uh, a little jealous you guys are going to be talking about so many more fun topics. Uh, we'll have keep fun. you posted. <laughs> Looking forward. <laughs> Bye now. Alrighty, and so with that, that actually brings us up to our next story. Um, we talked about this briefly last week, I, I believe it was, um, just the mix of excitement and jealousy that goes with the winners for the DCU Unscripted. They have announced their 10 finalists, um, their mentors, and yeah, so we were figuring out who might actually win the entire competition. So Brad, what did you think? I, I can't wait to see what their ideas are. Uh, I, I don't know if they are public, but I have not seen exactly what their specific ideas are. But that's, it's going to be very interesting to see what ideas that they, uh, they come up with. And watching it get into fruition and get made, I think it's going to be very fun. And it gives people more reason to subscribe to DC Universe. So if you haven't, get out there and subscribe. Uh, Steve, what did you think? Exactly that. It's going to make fans more excited to watch what comes out, knowing that a show is going to be out there created by one of us. 
And like you said, Kelly, a huge mixture of jealousy and excitement and absolute pride for the winners. Um, The fact that one of these shows is actually going to go to series and others are going to get at least a pilot, at least a one off episode of that show. And I know some of the ideas floating around my head and my son's head and, and the writers like yourselves that I work with and talk to on a daily basis. So if something as crazy as far out or as interesting as what's in our heads makes it to screen, it's just a thing of beauty. It's a wonderful thing to see. And listen, I hope they do this every single year. And fingers crossed, maybe our names will appear on these lists in the future. What did you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, um, again, that that mix of excitement and jealousy. And I do like that. It seems like in the past few years, DC has really put an effort into interacting with fans and getting feedback from fans who, you know, up, up until this point with some of the previous movies, we haven't exactly been riding high, I would say. But part of what keeps DC alive is how much the fans love these characters. So the fact that we you know, not only get a chance to give feedback and sort of see behind the scenes, but also this, you know, the opportunity to actually write a show is incredible. And looking at the list of winners, there were two from my home state, New Jersey. So I, you know, have to just be super proud of that. (laughs) Even if I don't know them, you know, congratulations to, you know, all 10, but especially you two, because I, you know, home state have, have to love that. And actually, I just realized I missed one little piece of information, which isn't that little. Um, Just to circle back to the Joker movie, um, we've been talking for the past few weeks about how much buzz the movie's gotten and how well it's been doing at award shows. And Joker actually got 11, I I believe it's the British Academy of Film and and Television Arts nominations. Um, Exactly right. I'm very bad with acronyms, so I'm glad I got that in the right order. (laughs) Um, Brad, what did you think? I think that this is definitely a shoe for some Oscars then, since it's getting all these other nominations for these awards. And um, not to downplay these nominations, but I think on Mondays when we get the, um, the Oscar nominations. So I can't wait to see... Uh, what it's going to be nominated for. And if it is not nominated for best score, there's something wrong with the Academy. So yep. I, I'm so glad to see that score get nominated again for the BAFTA Awards. Uh, absolutely. Because that score just brought so much to the film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to run away with everything. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I echo your sentiments, my brother. Absolutely. Um, it only got two, only. Um, it got two Golden Globes, but I do think the film is capable of, of really um, cleaning up at both the Oscars and at the BAFTAs. Obviously, BAFTAs are very close to my heart, being a Brit and being based here and seeing 11 nominations. Um, the fact that um, a lot of it was uh, so dark and so mysterious and so atmospheric but it's still a comic book movie and to get that kind of attention and this kind of recognition from real artistic um powerhouses like the venice film festival like the baftas is just so encouraging to anyone who's a comic book fan so 
long uh, may this continue uh, i hope it does really well and again if it wins one award two awards all 11 i'll be happy well, what about you kelly yeah absolutely i think joker deserves i mean it deserves all of the the praise that it's been getting it was such a well-done movie um you know and and brad going back to there being something wrong with the academy i mean i I don't know. I watched the Golden Globes last week and that was a little that was a little interesting. So even <laughs> if it doesn't win or get nominated, I think the point is we've really proven that comic book movies can be something other than just CGI smashing things and, you know, kind of broad aspects of right and wrong. That something like the Joker is artistic and heartbreaking and really, really different. So yeah, I take home all the awards, take home none of the awards. The Joker is, or Joker is still a fantastic movie. Yeah. And I always found it more interesting who gets nominated for these awards than actually who wins, you know, that they, they say that, Oh, it's just not to be nominated. And to an extent, I think that's very true, but yeah, yeah, I do. I hope it, I hope it wins. Yeah, absolutely. So best of luck to Joker, both at these awards and at the Oscars, we are, 1000% 1000% rooting for, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips and just the entire team behind that movie. So, and actually more good news in DC related creative teams and the fantastic content they're producing. Uh, CW just renewed a whole slew of shows, including Batwoman, Supergirl, Black Lightning, and a couple of other DC shows. Um, Brad, what did you think? I, I'm so sick of toxic fans that just kind of revel in something failing. Yes. And, you know, people who were just waiting for Batwoman to get canceled. And I'm so glad to, that we're going to have it around for a second season. I think it deserved it. And I was very happy to see that. And it looks like even with the absence of such a powerhouse like Arrow, the Arrowverse is still going to be going very strong into uh, next year and beyond. So I'm very, uh, very happy to see that. Steve, what do you think? Exactly what you said, Brad. Why people have to feel that they can trash something and knock it down just because they don't like it. My honest opinion is if you don't like something, stop watching it. If there's a show I'm invested in, I like it, but it gets worse and worse and worse to the case that I don't enjoy it anymore. I don't shout about it and scream about it and yell at it and call it this that and the other online to to people because whatever i feel about that show or that movie someone spent hours weeks months years of their life making that that's someone's hard work that's someone's blood sweat and tears and listen if you don't like it don't watch it i loved season one of westworld three episodes into season two i got bored out of my mind and i stopped watching it that's it did i rant and rave about it did i say it was awful did i say it was crap or anything like that no i didn't i just stopped watching it so batwoman well done on the renewal um let your detractors say what they want you're coming back and people internet it's great to have an opinion the wonderful thing about the internet is it gives people a voice the worst thing about the internet is it gives people a voice. The vocal minority, just say you don't like something, don't trash it, and let the people who do enjoy it, enjoy it. Kelly, what did you think? Isn't I think one of the episodes of Watchmen is titled, If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own. 
And that, yeah. uh, like, yeah, I have to agree with everything you said, Steve, that despite what you feel about these shows, there are entire teams that, you know, put food on the table, creating this content for the public. And whether you like it or not, it's it, it's their job. And they, for the most part, do it really, really well. So I would say congratulations to all these shows for and actually even this early on to know, you know, we're coming back for another season. We have this much room to create and expand on our stories and keep building. So, yeah, I have nothing but good wishes for all of them. And actually, so stemming off of that, as we get into the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, a new poster has come out showing Stephen Amell as the Spectre. Um, Brad, what do you think of that? I I just love that Spectre's going to be involved. I always thought he was such an interesting character. Uh, seeing a, <coughs> a live act, a live action uh, version is incredible, and the fact that it's going to be uh, Stephen Amell is even makes it even that much better. And I really loved what I've seen of uh, Infinite Earth so far. So I'm so excited this week that the wait's over for the last uh, final two parts. Steve, what do you think? Absolutely. To finally see the Spectre on screen is a dream come true. He's a character I've loved forever. The other Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster creation, which doesn't get as much love as Superman, but um, for me is like uh, the perfect cross between Superman and Batman. He's a super powered, almost godlike creature, but he is the spirit of vengeance and just seeing that personified is making me very happy. But it's also made me a little bit scared about my brain because just a few moments ago, we were talking about um, the casting of, of Barda and um, her best bestie in, in the real world is Stephen Amell um, to the point where, where she actually hosts Steve's panel sometimes at conventions, including a recent one in London, which I attended. So seeing Stephen Amell as Scott Free, possibly with his bestie as Barda. Mm, interesting. Hey, listen, he could be Green Arrow, Spectre and Scott Free he could be Mr. Miracle. You never know. I mean, anything could happen. And the height difference is still quite negligible because though he looks tall next to her, um, he's not that much. So, But again, um, I, I really must stop. Stephen Amell, Spectre, can't wait this week, Tuesday. Kelly. Yes, yeah, I, I agree. He looks really great in that role. And actually, most of what I know about Spectre um, really only comes from uh kingdom comes so i'm excited to see it on screen and uh, you know god bless Stephen amell for being that versatile in the in the dc universe so yeah just no, nothing but good things and so actually this this last um tv story about x's why the last man is a little bit confusing um so the showrunners quit but they're rebooting what they're working on um Brad, what did you make of all this? Um, it's, it's very, very uh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Come back to me, Steve. Let me know what you think, and uh, I'll add to it. 
Yeah, I, I can sense that you have many mixed emotions, and I know that you, like I, are a huge fan of the comic. This, to me, is still one of the greatest standalone comic series I have ever read. I absolutely love Why the Last Man. And um, what's really struck me from the article is that um, this big reboot, it doesn't specify if the pilot would be reshot. Now, that to me sounds like they've shot a pilot. A pilot episode has been made. But for some reason, the showrunner who created that pilot and who was going to do the rest of the show has walked away. Now, were they not happy with the pilot? Were they not happy with the whole direction? And they had to go back again from scratch. That does concern me slightly. But hey, listen, it's not the first time that a project has been finished by somebody else to good effect. I mean, case in point, Bohemian Rhapsody was finished by Dexter Fletcher, even though it says uh, uh, it doesn't mention him on 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 the titles. He actually probably did more in terms of directing and finishing the completed film than the original director did. So it, it's very possible. But then also we've had um, the whole Justice League fiasco with... Um, Zack Snyder stepping away and his film being finished by by somebody else. So, huh, very yeah. mixed feelings. I mean, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I it always kind of boggled my mind why this show or this story was so hard to get off the ground because the idea is so interesting and it could be very timely and the actual source material is so good like you know like you said see one of the best uh one of the best series ever and it's just it boggled my mind you had so much there that it that it cannot get made it just it kind of was, just drives me a little crazy um i i think at this point that if it gets made i'll be happy but going back to the whole thing i hope it just doesn't get too too diluted going from back and forth from team to team so um you know i I I love the book so much. Kind of part of me just wants to see it actually get made more than anything else. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I. Yeah, I initially, honestly, I don't even remember when this show was originally in production. Because reading this again, I'm like, oh wow, they were doing Why the Last Man, and I I remember it, but it wasn't some. It was something that kind of dropped off my radar. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see it, you know, live action on the screen, but that really depends on how well done it is. And, you know, like the both of you, there are so many people who are really dedicated fans to that series. And it was such a well done, um, you know, comic book that I I don't know. It's it's always iffy when something kind of gets delayed and there's switches in the creative team. It can go really well or it can, you know, kind of blow up in our faces. So, I, um, yeah, I'm skeptical. And, and there's so many new avenues, new streaming services, you know, all these platforms that, you know, there's got to be someone out there that can make a great version and not compromise too much from what the story contained. So ah, just don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading this comic and thinking as I was reading it, my God, this would make such an incredible movie or even better a TV series so they can give it the longevity it needs to tell the whole story. And as you said, this 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 whole concept, this story is so now and 
it tells such a different aspect of a future where it's kind of apocalyptic because millions die and millions vanish and millions disappear and planes crash and whatever else but there's still so much hope going on and there's comedy there's action there's thrills there's suspense there's horror it's just one of those comic book series that had everything and if it doesn't get made it's going to be a crime but is it going to suffer from too many cooks is it going to suffer from moving back and forth i don't know but at least give it a chance get it out there so people can watch it and then see how it goes from there it's the only way to do it absolutely and so on that note we are going to briefly depart for you guys to ponder what's going to happen to why the last man and take a quick ad break this is seth singleton from dc comics news here to tell you about the spinner rack each and every week DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by... The guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello everybody, Jay Wade and Kaylin here to tell you about SEN Afterlife. It's an after show podcast where we expand on the week of craziness on SEN Live as well as have guests on to join in the fun. Yep, and we get personal too. We do movie reviews and at times we go way off the rails, which I guarantee is always Kaylin's fault. Hey, how rude and not true. So come join us on the Mark with the Movie Blog feed and remember to rate, share, and subscribe. And as always, enjoy. And welcome back to the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 54. I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, here with Brad Filicky and Steve J. Ray. And we are just about to dive into the comic book news, um, starting with the really fantastic news that Detective Comics number 1000 uh, was named the best-selling comic book of 2019. Brad, what did you think of that? Yeah, um, there was such a push behind this book, uh, I, I kind of figured that it would be at the top um you know uh every time i'd walk into a barnes and noble it was always very prominently displayed and i think a lot of comic shops had midnight sales for it and the marketing push was just very effective and it just goes to show the importance and the love that people have for the batman character i don't 
I don't think that Batman has ever been more popular than he is now, except for maybe in 89 when the first Batman movie came out. Um, he's just such a timeless character, and he's not going anywhere. Steve, what do you think? Let's hope he doesn't go anywhere because he's my favorite. And listen, I'm not surprised. I reviewed the standard edition and the deluxe edition of DC of uh, Detective Comics 1000 for Dark Knight News. And I loved both and loved the way they paired classic writers with new artists and new writers with classic artists and the way they looked at every aspect of the character, his family, his sidekicks and his villains and Detective 1000 was incredible. I didn't have a single bad thought about any of it. And the fact that a year before uh, Action Comics 1000 was the biggest selling book of 2018, it just shows me that there's still so much love and reverence for the two characters that literally started it all. We would not have anything else if not for Superman and Batman. And the fact they're still loved, still popular, uh, they're still kicking butt all over comic books, TV screens, movie screens all over the world. Detective Comics 1000, I salute you, 600,000 copies and counting because apparently um, since this news broke at the beginning of the week, I've been chatting to comic book stores saying that it's going to second, third, fourth printings. They're still getting orders for it. Uh, the rare editions uh, with the Brian Bolland covers, the UK versions are, are still hugely in demand. I think this could actually still possibly break the million before 2020 is out because there's still people wanting to read it i've still got three covers to get so i can get all of the nine decades and i'm not going to give up until i get all of them so brilliant news great for dc great for comics fans great for batman kelly what did you make of this story yeah i i think this goes back to a point that we've brought up over and over again that DC's focus on the books and getting them out and getting them into the hands of readers is so important because clearly there's a huge backing for DC books. Um, you know, the fact that Action Comics 1000 took the, you know, the top spot last year and Detective Comics took it this year. It just shows that DC fans are really dedicated to, you know, to reading, to getting every, I mean, Steve, you have all the covers, you're going to have all the covers. I have absolute faith in that. So <laughs> It just circles back to the fact that if we can get if we can actually get the books, if they don't get delayed and, you know, I hate to be a downer here, but if things actually get published and produced and put out there, there is such a receptive audience on the other side. Um, so this is absolutely fantastic. I'm thrilled that DC took that spot, which I it just comes back to me being petty with everyone who's like, why do you like DC more than Marvel? And it's well, just because the books the books are amazing which actually they're they're just right they're just better i mean better written better i don't know i i've always had more of a thing for dc and actually that does bring me to um the point that i think also in the top 10 were mr miracle and batman white knight and batman the damned which just i mean apart from mr miracle batman has such marketability um so yeah, I this is exciting news, and I really, really hope that this just solidifies. Give us the books, because we want the books. And actually, that that dives right into our next topic. So DC's titles are going to revert back to legacy numbering after uh, I think it's after Wonder Woman 
and flash number 750. So I'm uh, mixed feelings on this, but Brad, what do you think? It makes me very uh, interested to read Wonder Woman 750 because I think that there's going to be something big that happens in that. Um, I think with the timeline, and I think we'll talk about the story in, in a minute, um, I don't think it's an accident that in that new DC history, Wonder Woman is the first character to appear. So it makes me very curious to read this issue and and see how it paves the way for what comes next in the DC universe. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be picking up an issue of Wonder Woman 750 just for that reason too. And it's, it's very funny because the last massive company-wide history-changing event was the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. All the others have changed the universe to some extent, but Crisis changed everything. And after Crisis, Brad, you'll probably remember this, they did the complete opposite. Wonder Woman was the newest character, the last character to appear in that continuity. She didn't appear until Legends uh, almost a year after the Crisis. Um, She had her own story and her own comic book, wonderful run by George Perez, but she was actually the character who appeared last. But it makes much more sense for her to be first, A, because of Greek myth uh, and Themyscira being uh, hidden away from, from the world of man. But with the resurgence of the Justice Society and possibly having Hippolyta as the original Wonder Woman, I, I don't know how they're going to handle that. But the fact that it's going to start the new history that was set in place by Doomsday Clock is going to actually take effect from Wonder Woman 750 and Flash 750 is very exciting. Now. Again, mixed feelings. The legacy numbering, it's brilliant for old fans like myself. Um, So you can now say I've got 500 out of 700 or 600 out of 700. But to new readers, to fans who have only been reading comic books for, for a number of years and they had complete runs from number one onwards, this is going to be ruined for them. But at the end of the day, we've got to think about the whole spectrum. And... To not have the legacy numbering is a bit of a kick in the teeth to all the amazing writers and artists who contributed to these series from the get-go. I mean, Wonder Woman, again, after Superman and Batman, is going to be one of the few characters who've had stories written about them consistently, brand new ones, printed every year for 80 years straight. Marvel can't say that. Yes, they took over um, Captain America and Submariner from Timely Comics, their predecessors, but those characters weren't Marvel characters. So, yes, they've been around for almost 80 years, but they didn't have a consistent publishing history. Both those characters vanished for decades before they were brought back. But Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Robin, the original Robin, Dick Grayson, um, Captain Marvel, Shazam, uh, Wonder Woman, The Flash, well, the original Jay Garrick Flash, at least, They've had new stories written about them consistently for almost 80 years apiece. And that is incredible. So legacy numbering, pluses and minuses. But the fact that the new history of DC is coming from Wonder Woman 750 onwards, count me in. Kelly, your thoughts? Yeah, I. so my mixed feelings actually come from a slightly different place. Um, I know I... I know a lot of people who are interested in comics and want to get into reading comics, but part of what overwhelms them when they walk into a comic book store and why they, you know, haven't really, you know, 
jumped in head first is the numbering. Um, I've, I've had a lot of friends say to me, I, I just don't, I don't know where to start. I don't know what's going on. Um, so changing numbering or, you know, kind of starting from 750s, the beginning of something is, that's where we kind of get into the waters of it might be a little bit harder for people who are unfamiliar with comics and might not have someone to explain things to them to, you know, dive in and get into that entire universe. But actually, and, and in my way, it, that's right. <laughs> and anyone who is fresh into comics, Steve is your guy. <laughs> that's where to start. Cause I, yep. I can't explain things like this. I, I start, you know, drawing diagrams on the wall and people are like, all right, this is, this is too much. But, and actually, so while we're on the subject, let's talk about this, this timeline and that it's starting with Wonder Woman as the first hero. Um, I saw that announcement at New York Comic Con and also mixed feelings. Um, but, but Brad, what did you, you take from that? Um, I, I don't know yet. I, I got to see what they do with the idea. And um, I, I think that there's an idea behind it. And so I'm not sure exactly uh, exactly how I feel about it until I have more concrete information of why they did it that way. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Again, I can see why. I can see why. Even though Superman came first historically and in terms of his his character being the one that led to everything else and that's what doomsday clock revolves around in terms of the history of the dc universe it does make more sense for it to be wonder woman um so again i can't totally say until i've read the thing but uh i'm cautiously optimistic i'm really looking forward to it and i do think that wonder woman still even after the huge success of her movie is a character that isn't quite appreciated as much as she deserves to be. I, I've loved her from day one, through the Linda Carter years, through the George Perez years. Um, I wasn't that keen on the New 52, but I didn't like a lot of New 52. But um, since the uh, rebirth, again, she's been on a high. Yeah, um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Am I the only one that thinks that this was uh, like a narrative or editorial decision from a story like, you know, what's going to happen next within the DC universe itself? No, no. I or do you think they agree. were just, or you think they were just yeah. like doing it just to tighten up continuity? Both. Yeah. 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 I, I have to agree. I think when it comes to changing timelines, um, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, Steve cautiously optimistic in the sense that we've seen some really weird shakeups in the DC universe, specifically with, the new 52 and yes we got that all explained away with rebirth but it, yeah i mean i i'm a huge wonder woman fan i love the idea of her coming first especially if we do get to see hippolyta as you know some sort of an original wonder woman that would be amazing but I yeah i right like she she is so cool and i i kind of wish we did get to see more hippolyta especially after the the wonder woman movie so mm -hmm. yeah we'll We'll see. Hopefully this all works out. And so actually circling glass back. Is half to... full. Glass is half full. Yes. Yep. Glass yeah. is half full. <laughs> if, if Seth was here, I'm sure he'd be telling us that there is hope. <laughs> so He's got back... a big S for Seth under his shirt. 
that that stands for hope. I like that. He's he's like a, a our our own personal beacon of light. Yes, he is. Super Flash Man. <laughs> I'm re- and I'm really hoping that hoping there we go. I'm gonna say hope a lot in the next couple sentences, but I'm really hoping that there is hope for the publishing schedule at DC. Um, we've been seeing so many delays and things having to get resolicited. And um, publisher Dan Didio said that no future black label titles are going to be solicited until they're positive of when they're going to be sent out. Um, Brad, what did you think? It, it's <laughs> yeah, This is also a glass half full, half empty situation, because on one hand, it's good that they're acknowledging the problems. But why only black label? Because we know that there's. That, that a lot of the black label books can be labor intensive and, and whatnot, and they want to make sure that they're great before they put them out. So we can all accept that sometimes there's delays on those books. Um, but but the other, why, why didn't they mention the other DC books? Why didn't they say, well, <clears throat> any DC book will not be solicited until we know it's coming out. So it's, uh, it's at least we're on the right track, but uh, I just want... I just want them to, to to fix this across the whole company line. Steve, what do you think? I can see it again positively and negatively. It, it, it's another 50-50 scenario. The trouble with the DC mainstream books is there are tons of them. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of titles. Some of them are coming out twice a month. To juggle that logistically, editorially, is a nightmare. And the fact that, honestly, only one ongoing book, Shazam, has suffered badly. And the other was um, Doomsday Clock itself. But that wasn't a mainstream book. That was a 12-issue limited series, which ended up running for two years instead of one. But that's two titles. If you look at the publishing history for DC Black Label, apart from White Knight, all of them have had delays. And like you said, they're much more labor intensive books. Some of them are two, three times larger than a monthly comic book. And that's understandable. So I can see why Dan DiDio is saying, listen, we're not going to solicit more DC Black Label stuff until we know it's going to come out and we know it's going to come out on time. The rest of the DC universe is a much tougher act to balance. Honestly, and this, this does hurt in a way, I think they should stop coming out twice a week. They should go back to being monthly to give the writers and artists a chance to catch their breaths, produce better work in a more timely manner. Um, And that will hopefully help the whole industry. Getting books out twice a month is a nightmare. And yeah, I can see it from both sides. Good on you, Dan Didio. But what we really want and all four of us have been saying this from day one is if you could delay a book, just tell readers why. And if it makes sense, we can dig it. But just stop delaying things for no reason whatsoever. Kelly, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, as far as everything coming out on time, I'll believe it when I see it. But if there is this, um, need on the creative staff's part to have more time to work on their 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 art essentially or you know the writing it's important and I I know personally I if 
a deadline's coming up and I try to push really hard, sometimes my work is not anywhere close to as good as I would have wanted it to be. And especially when it comes to telling a story that a lot of readers are invested in and have already spent money buying issues and whatnot, it's it makes more sense to give people the time that they need to really make a good story. But again, then just give us the reason. Just tell us, you know, we need a little bit more time to flesh this out or we're finalizing, you know, A, A, B or C. And that would make sense to me. But I mean, at least they're acknowledging the problem. That is, I know before it was just kind of this vague sense of dread looking at delays and why is it happening and why is it seemed to be kind of hitting books across the board. Um, so yeah, I, I hope they stick to this and I, you know, not nothing but hope in, in the name of Seth, nothing but hope. Alrighty, so moving into our last story of the night, um, WB Montreal has been dropping hints about a potential new Batman game. Um, Brad, what did you think? Oh man, I'm so excited. Uh, now, there have been. I, I'm hoping that this is one of the Arkham games that they continue on with that series, even though it's um, WB Montreal and not Rocksteady, which is the team that put together the best of the Arkham games. I'm just so glad to see this just continuing because uh, uh, those games were just an absolute blast to play. Uh, they're some of my favorite video games of all time, and. <clears throat> I, I do think, though, that we're going to have to wait a little while to see these games because there's um, new consoles coming out, a new Xbox and a new PlayStation coming out at the end of this year. And I have a feeling that WB Montreal is going to want to put this game out on the new systems and not on the old. So it might be a little while before we see it, but I just I can't wait for more information. I want some some concrete uh, info. Uh, can't wait. Steve, what do you think? I want you to explain something to me because I love um, things that are enigmatic and teasers and puzzles to solve, but this whole thing with these symbols, I don't get how that relates to Batman in any way, or have WB Montreal already said that they're making a new Batman game? I, I'm a little confused. Well, I think one thing that kind of... Um, I, I think it's two two things. I, honestly, I the, the symbols are just as enigmatic to me as well. But the fact that it's WB Montreal and they did work on uh, Arkham Origins, so it, it would make sense that they can continue because they like, they have some of that architecture already in in place. And the fact that there was night in the hints. And uh, Arkham Knight was the last game in the series that came out. So it's pr- and, and it was a kind of a separate character, um, like a new villain for Batman. So it looks like he might be back in some capacity. So other than that, I'm just kind of, you know, back to that word again. Hope, hoping that it's a new uh, new Batman game. Well, in that case, if you're that excited, I am too. My son, again, is a massive fan of the Arkham games. He's got all of them. He's played them to the end. He's played them different ways. He's played them in different modes, and he absolutely loves them. And, and like you said, yeah, it does say Capture the Knight, and Knight spelt with a K. Dark Knight, Arkham Knight, who knows? Um, but what's what's really grabbed my attention is this whole symbology and the way things are starting to form this massive uh, 
complicated map of, of different symbols and one looks like a cop's badge one looks like the head of a demon something on fire um very intriguing i mean i don't play a lot of video games but i'm sometimes more fascinated by watching other people play them and again it's another aspect of, of batman and the dc universe that people can get into uh, and learn to love so yeah i'm all for it even yeah, though i don't I, quite get it yeah yeah i think maybe they could even be hinting at something as rush al ghul and firefly you know maybe some of the villains because Ooh, uh, they nice. still have a lot to reveal so it could be hinting at a lot of different villains because that's one thing that was kind of great about the Arkham games is that through the whole saga of those games, they were able to include almost every Batman villain. The so, Penguin in the Arkham games was, was great. Oh, yeah. He's one of my favorite. One of my favorites. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks, Brad. Lovely. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Kelly? What do you think? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't play a ton of video games either. Although from just from your conversation, I feel as though there's definitely someone out there with all of these symbols taped to their wall and string oh, yeah. going between all Without of them. Without a doubt. Don't you it's, just love viral marketing? <laughs> right? Like I because I look at these symbols and I'm like, all right, I, it says night. That's Batman. And. I keep seeing this mentioned on sites talking about Batman, so it has to be a Batman game. But how disappointed would everybody be if it wasn't? But then I'm hoping that it is because, you know, it's Batman. But, um, yeah, I I don't play a ton of video games. I do, I or at least I am familiar with the Arkham games. My brothers were huge fans of them. Um, you know, my boyfriend and his friends still play them. So, yeah, it would be really, really cool to see another chapter in that game. Yeah, I think Arkham Asylum, the first game, is one of my uh, probably top 10, top 15 Batman stories of all time. Uh, yeah, it's it's such a good story. Yeah, that, and if, if Kevin Conroy is willing to, um, you know, come out and do a voice for something, then it has to be good. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see on that one. So that well about <laughs> so that about wraps it up for us tonight. Um, did you guys have any closing thoughts? Any further hope to leave with our our listeners? I just want to say that um, you know we were talking about how great the poison ivy is in the uh, Harley Quinn animated show going on right now. It just got me thinking that the actress who does the voice, Lake Bell, could probably play a really good Poison Ivy and do it in a very similar way to how she does the voice. So that's in the idea of fan casting and filmmakers listening. I hope they're listening. Please. You're a genius, Brad Phillip. You're an absolute <laughs> genius. God. And didn't you you did put the Aisha Tyler thing in my head too, right? Because you might just be knocking it out of the park here. Yeah, uh, Aisha Tyler yeah, I did because and I Steve Lamel, you had it here first. Yeah, yeah I think, um, yeah, just Aisha Tyler, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, <For> good. Sure. <laughs> All righty, so that about wraps it up for us tonight. Um, I have been your host, Kelly Gaines, and this is the very hopeful 54th episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. 
Um, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please head over and subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Let us know what you think. Um, so you can also follow DC Comics News on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. And that's going to be at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And be sure to check out The Spinner Rack and I Am The Knight right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Um, if you wanted to hear any more of my ramblings or check out my piece on Big Barda, you can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces at DC Comics News. And I'm also on Twitter at KelGainesWrite. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. And Brad, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on DC Comics News. You can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Alrighty, and Steve? You can find all my work for both DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News, just by doing a search on the search engine of your choice, Steve J. Ray, and you can get links to all my reviews, interviews, and news articles on both sites there. And please do hit me up on Twitter at lstevo, at E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Very nice. So check us out. And as always, we would like you to remind you guys to read more comics. Have a good night, everybody.